we opened our worship service with the reading from Isaiah 42 that actually captures much of what we find in the Gospel of John chapter 12. Now, I would really encourage you to just sit down, take the time. It's about probably take you about 75 minutes to sit down and just read through the Gospel of John from start to finish. It's really enlightening. It's surprising. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. They take essentially, they have much of their narrative is in common, uh, and the outlook is much in common, and of course there's nothing in John that contradicts any of that. But the Gospel of John is written about 50 years after the events. In the 80s, all of the events we're going to be looking at today took place in 33 AD. That was the year of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven was 33 AD. John's writing in the 80s. He's gone through, he he walked with Jesus but he also has gone through much ministry. He has, as he's writing, he is in, probably in the city of Ephesus and what is modern-day Turkey, what was then called, just geographically called Asia Minor, a Gentile city. And so you see much in the Gospel of John about Gentiles seeking out Jesus or Jesus seeking out Gentiles, like the Samaritan woman at the well and that whole Samaritan city of Sychar turning to Jesus in John chapter 4. You see a lot of this interest. What you also see in John's gospel is a lot of conflict. You see Jesus' own brothers are stated to not the the sons of, of Joseph and Mary that follow Jesus' birth, four sons. None of them believe. Earlier in John's gospel, They, with Jesus and the apostles, are in Galilee. And they say to Jesus, well, if you do these things, these signs, these miracles, why don't you go to Jerusalem and present yourself down there and make the case for yourself? What do you mean, if you do these things? It says in John's gospel, they were present when he turned the water into wine. But that's really a consistent thing in John's gospel. Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem, a man who was infirm for 38 years. We don't know that he was there for 38 years, but it was known He was infirm for 38 years. There's a whole lot of people there waiting for the water to be stirred up by an angel so somebody can, and Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Yes, no question. He doesn't answer with yes or no. Oh, well, every time I try to get there, somebody always beats me to the water for, oh, no. And Jesus says, he doesn't even know who's talking to him. And Jesus says to him, you're healed. Take up your bed and go home. And he's sovereignly healed. He picks up his cot, starts walking out. And the Jewish leadership 
stops him. Wait a minute, what are you doing? You're carrying your bed on the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. Well, the man who healed me told me to take my bed and go home. Notice the, what they say. They don't say, oh, really? Who healed you? Who did this divine act? No, no, no. Who was it that commanded you to take up your bed and go home? Are they interested in what God is doing? The Jewish religious leadership, are they interested in what God is doing? They're not. And then when Jesus discloses himself to this fellow later in the temple, he goes and turns Jesus in. And then the, it literally, they put him on the, he, they put Jesus on the hit list. Because he broke the Sabbath, we have to kill him. And they come to him, and they confront him. And he says, oh, yeah, well, my father breaks the Sabbath all the time. And what I did was actually from my father, I am the son of God. And the term he uses there means son in a unique sense. I'm not the son of God in the same way that all authentic believe. No, no, I am the son of God. He is my father. What? That's blasphemy. You're declaring yourself to be equal with God. Yes, I am. <laughs> you got it right. Yes, yes, yes. They put him on this hit list for a second reason. And they keep going after him and going after him and going after him and going after him. And that is going on back and forth. And here we find the seventh of the seven signs, seven miracles that are specified in John's gospel happened in chapter 11. And that is the resurrection of Lazarus. And Lazarus is known to everybody in the Jewish religious leadership. When Jesus shows up to raise him from the dead... There are many Jewish leaders that are still there at the estate in Bethany, just two miles out of Jerusalem, the estate in Beth. They're still there to offer comfort and strength to Mary and Martha, the sisters. And then Jesus comes, and both of those sisters, Lazarus had been an authentic follower, both of those sisters, if you had been here, you could have healed our brother. He's going to rise from the dead. Well, yes, I know that day of resurrection is coming. I believe that. Take me to the tomb. <laughs> and they take him to the tomb, and the Jewish leaders followed Mary out when they saw her come, when Martha sent word to her, Jesus is here, and they all gather there at the tomb. The stone is rolled away, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And out comes Lazarus, Many of the Jewish leaders believed. But others ran right to the Sanhedrin, ran right to the Jewish religious leaders. Now we got a real problem. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And it... <laughs> That's a problem? Well, yeah, when you have a religious enterprise that can be characterized as a den of thieves and had been for a couple of centuries, you got a problem if you want to remain, continue being a criminal. John chapter 12, a few days after the resurrection of Lazarus. John 12, 1. Then 
six days before the Passover, this would have been Sunday of that week, the first day of the week. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him, Jesus, a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because, on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. What kind of an environment are we talking? The closer Jesus got to Jerusalem, the greater was the hostility. The further the Jesus got from Jerusalem, the greater was his welcome. So here he is in Bethany, just two miles from Jerusalem. They have the banquet, and are the Jewish religious, 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 religious leaders, leaders interested in what God is doing? They have no interest in what God is doing. And of course, the Sadducees, as I've explained before, the Sadducees and Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, are both Sadducees. Many of the Sanhedrin are Sadducees. They actually don't believe in eternal life. They believe that when you die, you die like a dog and you're even out of God's reach. Hardy, har, We can get away with this. Let me ask yourself, let me ask me a question. (laughs) Mark, have you ever done something you knew God hated with the idea, I'll be the one who can get away with this. Folks, this isn't (laughs) abnormal human outlook. It is standard sinner outlook. We all believe, all sinners, I'll be the one that gets away with it. Now, if we, now if that fellow George were to do it, he would get caught. I know he did. But me, I'll be the one that escaped. No. And so we not only have to kill Jesus, we have to kill Lazarus because he's too big a proof. 
And here is this fellow, Judas Iscariot. Earlier in John's Gospel, many of the disciples of Jesus, as he explains to them more and more and more about himself, I am from heaven. I am the Son of God. I am from heaven. I am from the Father. That's who I am. And many of his disciples step disciples that are called step back and say this is too hard and many of his disciples left him and Jesus turned to the apostles and said well fellows here's the door this is your opportunity and Peter says Lord Where are we going to go? We have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says something I'm sure that shocked them. Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil? There is spiritual turmoil. There is betrayal there is and now jesus is there feasting with lazarus and many are pe- many of people okay this is proof all the proof i need that jesus of nazareth truly is the messiah this promised son of god coming and Martha, excuse me, Mary does this wonderful thing of this oil of spikenard that she breaks this vessel, anoints his feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and Judas throws a fit. 300, it's worth 300, folks, that's almost a year's wage of a common laborer. A denarius was the wage of a Roman soldier every day. 300 days wage. All for this purpose. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he, Jesus, was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Many of the Jews. And in John's gospel, the Jews means Jewish leaders. Not just the general population. No, it's the Jewish leaders. The next day, Monday, a great multitude that had come to the feast, the feet where they were going to have the Passover feast at the end of the week. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, which is an emblem of the promised kingdom, because it's perfect. Palm tree leaves are perfect in their symmetry. They're even part of the etchings in the temple as an emblem of the kingdom. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Hosanna means save now! Save now! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And the Jewish leaders are 
now truly freaking out. Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The king is coming, riding a beast that is normally only used by a servant. Kings ride horses. <laughs> Kings go come in chariots. They don't ride donkeys. That is a servant beast. As I read the passage that we read earlier from Isaiah 42, we have Messiah coming. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastland shall wait for his law. And this, the first, oh, the opening section of this, here is Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, and he's going to come and serve. He's going to bring justice. Then the second part of what I read to you, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise to the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea, and all that is in it, you coastlands and all that inha the inhabitants. Verse 13, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. In the passage that I read, Isaiah 42, 1 through 13, it is Messiah coming as the peace giver, the one who sets everything right. He comes as the servant king. And then the second part of the passage, he is the one who rules. Jesus came on a colt, the foal of a donkey, as the servant king. And what does he do? He goes to a cross to pay sin's penalty for us to resolve a problem we could not resolve he came as a servant as we're going to see in the next chapter of john 13 when he washes the disciples feet including the feet of judas iscariot he's come as the servant king mounted on a colt the foal of a donkey when he comes the second time it'll be on a white horse And I hope you got your riding lessons in. You're going to be riding white horses and you're going to be filling the heavens behind him. The next day, a, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out saying, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They're actually looking for the conquering king. They want the con they are under the Roman heel. They're under the heel of 
the Jewish religious leadership that centuries before, at least 200 years before, had turned the, the temple into a den of thieves. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. He's coming as the servant king. They're proclaiming him as the conquering king, but he is coming as the servant king, which is what they needed the most by far. His disciples did not understand these things. They hadn't put two and two together. But when Jesus was glorified after his resurrection and ascension, they're going, oh, wait a minute. What does Zechariah say? He will come on a colt, the foal of a donkey, as the servant king. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. You've got people along the, the street, along the road, as he is journeying into Jerusalem, giving personal testimony to the people in the crowd. I was there. I saw Lazarus come out of that tomb. And he had been dead for four days, which meant he was dead, 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 dead. And I saw him. So they're giving this testimony. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing? Let the, look, the world has gone after him. Everybody is chasing after him now. <sighs> the world, the world, the world. Notice verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has, coming, has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Lifted up. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, by the way, lifted up, Lift it up. That was actually an expression they used to kind of soft pedal it, but it was the term they used for crucify. To be lifted up was an expression they used for crucifixion. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless... A grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It remains alone. But if it, but if it dies, it produces much grain. You have that grain of wheat. Oh, let's just bury it in the dirt. Now, if you don't know anything about agriculture, well, then it's just going to rot and that's going to be that. No, that's how you get a harvest. If anyone serves, he who loves me, he who loves, excuse me, he who loves his life, will lose it. 
If you serve yourself, if you love your life, you're going to lose your life. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If you love, if you make your life choices based on kingdom glory rather than glory here in this world, you will get the kingdom glory. If you live for the glory of this world, you may get the glory of this world, but then what? It'll be gone. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. What are you seeing me doing? I am coming on a colt, the foal of a donkey, a donkey, a, a servant's beast. I'm going to serve. I'm going to go to a cross. Imitate me. And you will step into kingdom glory. And you're going to see me step into kingdom glory. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Does that sound like a good retirement program to you? It's the only one that works, folks. It's the only one that really works. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. I was born to die. I was born to die. The angel, in announcing her coming pregnancy, your heart will be broken. Your heart will be broken but it will be healed. Jesus was laid. He was born in a barn. Laid in the manger, the feed trough for the sheep and the cattle. That was all symbolic. He came to sacrifice in what had John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, the Lamb of God, the most famous Lamb in Jewish culture was the Passover Lamb. And Passover is about to come. Now my soul is troubled. Don't think, this was no tiptoe through the tulips for Jesus. This was no easy thing. He is God the Son. We can't even get our minds wrapped around the idea of every bit of our experience is, has had a beginning or an end. Jesus is God the Son from eternity past, eternally God the Son. And he came, he was sent, and he, and he obeyed the Father. He came, he chose to come to pay sin's penalty for us, to solve our problem. And the promise to him, once this job is done, he's called in John 3.16, what does Jesus say of himself? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten 
son. That means the heir of all things. He's the heir of the estate. When Jesus came out of that tomb, and in Matthew 28, what does he say to the apostles? All authority, all power, and heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am God the Son. I've just stepped into the day-to-day management of the estate. God the Father has handed off the day-to-day management (laughs) to me. I've stepped into my inheritance. Now my soul is troubled, but it was not an easy thing. What will he do in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is praying? He is sweating great drops. His capillaries are bursting. His blood pressure is so high, his capillaries are bursting, mixing with his sweat. This is not an easy thing. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this. And what has Jesus been incessantly saying about himself throughout John's gospel? I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. I'm from heaven. I'm from heaven. I'm from heaven. I'm from the father. I'm from the father. I'm from the father. This voice did not come to me, come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who is the actual ruler of this world? It's Satan. And what's going to happen? His power is going to be broken. Lucifer, as the serpent in the garden, when he caused the fall of man, thought he had created an unsolvable problem. Even God can't solve this problem. God is holy. I was once, Ezekiel 28, I was once the top angel. He was the head cherubim. That's the ruling class, the governing class of angels. He was number one. In Ezekiel 28, it describes his beauty. It describes his voice as like a pipe organ. Incredible creature. And then he lifted up himself in his own mind and started worshiping himself. And a third of the angels joined him and he was cast down. Did God offer redemption to Lucifer or any of the other third of the angelic hosts? No. Lucifer doesn't even know there is a concept called mercy. He's never been exposed to the idea of mercy, of grace. He doesn't know it exists And what does the Lord say to the serpent? I'm going to bring a seed from the woman. You're going to bruise his, 
you're going, he's going to bruise your head, you're going to bruise his heel. Well, a heel bruise can be pretty debilitating, but a head bruise for a serpent, it's over. I'm going to introduce you to a concept, Lucifer, you didn't know existed. It's called mercy. Called grace. And by this work on the cross, he's going to carry out the act that gives his Holy Father perfect freedom to grant mercy to every kind of sinner. Now the judgment of this world, now is the judgment of this world. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, as I mentioned earlier, to be lifted up was a, an expression they used for crucifixion. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples, people of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, to myself. This he said signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man, which is one of their favorite terms for Messiah from Daniel 7, the son of man must be lifted up. Who is this son of man? We're looking for the conquering son of man. Hosanna, save now. Well, they're talking, they're thinking about saving from the Romans. <laughs> they're thinking about saving from this religious mafia that controls Israel. No, I've come to be lifted up because your real problem is the problem that you stand guilty before God. I have to resolve that problem first, and so I come as your savior, your servant king. They're looking for the conquering king. Save now. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. The, the Messiah is not supposed to be crucified. He's supposed to come and reign forever. The Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. While you have the light, while you have the light, walk, excuse me, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. I'm telling you the truth right now. Embrace the truth right now. Because if you do not embrace the truth right now, you may lose your opportunity. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Don't let the darkness crowd your mind and heart and push out the truth. I have come as the servant king, which is your principal need right now. I will come again later as your conquering king. While you have the light, verse 36, believe in the light that you may become sons of light, that you may become reflections of me. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them.
But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. (laughs) These same people that minutes before had been crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here is their opportunity to be embraced by the light and embrace the light back. Oh, you just, that isn't the message we wanted to hear. We've seen this before in John's gospel when he fed the 5,000. And the next day they caught up to him in Capernaum and said, okay, we want another sign from you. And by the way, we're going to specify what sign we want. We want bread. I am the bread of life. Eat me. My flesh is bread indeed. My blood is drink indeed. That's not the message they wanted to hear. It was the message they needed to hear. This isn't the message they wanted to hear. It's the message they needed to hear. And they did not believe in him. that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53, 1. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, from Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is in the heavenly temple, seeing the Lord high and lifted up. And the Lord said, it says, And Isaiah, behold, he has blinded their eyes. I'm calling you as a prophet. And this is going to be, when I send you to the people of Israel, Isaiah, this is, what does the Lord say to Isaiah in Isaiah 6? I'm going to send you to people who aren't going to hear a word you're saying. And in fact, they didn't. And in fact, ultimately, they murdered Isaiah. He has blinded their eyes, verse 40, and harden their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory, Isaiah chapter 6, and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, now this is very common in John's Gospel, they didn't believe, they didn't believe, they didn't believe, oh, by the way, the ones, there were believers here, yes, This is a very common trait in John's Gospel. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. We already know about Nicodemus. Many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That is always a challenge. Is it going to cost me something in my job? Is it going to cost me in my family relationships? Is it going to cost me something here or there? If I take a firm, clear stand for Jesus, very often it does. Very often it does. For they loved the praise of men. They, did they believe in Jesus? Yes, but they kept it hidden. Because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. When you see me, you are seeing 
God. When you see me, you are seeing God. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Do you want to live in the light or do you want to live in the dark? And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive me, receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. When he stands before the judge, the judge will say, You heard. You heard. You heard. And you did not respond. For I have not spoken on my own authority, my own initiative, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. As he has said earlier in John's Gospel, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He who hears my words, is, he says here, he who hears my words is hearing the Father's words. He gives me command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Believe my words. Transfer your trust from your own righteousness, from your own, everything that you've trusted before. Abandon that and place all of your trust in what I have declared about who I am and what I am about to accomplish for you on the cross, which, by the way, Isaiah 53, which he already quoted the first verse, lays that out clearly. 700 years ahead of time, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For I have not spoken of my, on my own authority, my own initiative, but the Father who sent me gave me command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. If you obey, and by the way, when you believe in Jesus, you're obeying God's command. God commands us to believe in the Son. It is a promise to be believed, and it is also a command to be obeyed. And I know that His command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. 1 John 3, 23, not John 3, 1 John 3, 23, John writes along the same line, and this is his, God's commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. Trust in that truth, in that reality. Folks, the Gospel of John is fairly simple, profound, Scary, profound. The gospel is important. God holds us responsible to embrace him and allow him to embrace us back. I got that backwards. He embraces us and we need to embrace him back. 
to choose not to do that says, okay, God, I'm good enough without Jesus. You, should, you can just go ahead and judge me on my own, my own work, works. God says, well, not a good choice. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. I gave my son. I gave my son to humble himself in becoming a man and then to embrace a cross that belonged to you and to suffer hell fire and an invisible judgment that came upon him while on that cross for you, taking the hell that you deserved so that I would have perfect freedom to forgive you. Will you accept that mercy? Let's pray together. Our Father, I don't know the spiritual standing of everyone in this room or of anyone in this room in the ultimate sense other than myself. If there is a, a person here or persons here who have not yet fully abandoned their own righteousness in favor of what you did for them on the cross, I would invite you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I want to renounce my own performance, completely lay it aside, abandon it, and receive the benefit that you created for me on the cross. You paid the penalty for my sin so that your Holy Father would have perfect freedom to forgive me. I am holding out an empty hand right now and saying, may I please have that benefit. May it be mine. And your promise to me is that the answer to that request is 100% of the time, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being my Redeemer. And please, in the week to come, grant to me an opportunity to walk with you and actually be useful to you in sharing this message with someone else. In your name, I pray. We pray together. Amen.